Welcome on in to the best damn sports podcast, period. Alongside TJ Zuppi, I'm Zach Meisel. What's going on, TJ? I am happy to be here, Zach. You know it. Getting ready to scarf on some delicious food later this week and then go into a coma for the rest of my life. It's a good week. It's a good time of year. You know, I, I actually enjoy it. Go on. Well, I mean, it's... I know a lot of people get sort of depressed with the time change and it being darker and no baseball for us. That's kind of sad, but I enjoy looking outside and seeing the snow falling. I mean, it's, it sucks when you're out driving, I get it, but when you're at home and you can just kind of look out the window and see the snow falling and enjoy it from a warm space. I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I just, maybe it's just, I'm just getting old. But I just I've learned to appreciate it a little bit more. Plus, you get two little kids and looking forward to Christmas. So, you know, I'm just getting all teary eyed just thinking about it. I hate winter. I know you do. I hate the cold. Um, and every winter it wears on me more and more. And I just ah, why do people live <laughs> north of the equator? I know if it were up to you, you would never wear shoes and you'd be on the beach somewhere. But. This is the reality you've chosen. Yeah, it's a free country. For... You, you could move somewhere else, you know. I know. But then it would be difficult to record our podcast. That's very true. Anyway, so, I, you know, it's a weird time of year. It's the holidays are upon us. We have Thanksgiving. It's what's crazy is like football season only has a few weeks left, it seems. Um, so the winter meetings are a couple weeks away. Trade talks, just league-wide, free agent, league-wide will start to heat up, I would presume, in a week or two. And then really, they seem to hit a crescendo right around winter meetings every year. But in terms of where the Indians are at, I feel like there might be a little bit more of a sense of urgency just in terms of they have to do something. You know, this was last year, maybe they should have had this urgency and they didn't. Uh, and they stood pat pretty much aside from Yonder Alonso. And that was it. Am I forgetting anyone? They, <laughs> no, they no. did nothing. No, there was a Jeez. lot of, you're forgetting all of the minor league additions that they brought in for the bullpen. Right. So the difference this year, obviously, is they literally can't field a 25-man roster unless they either spend money on free agents or make some trades. And it doesn't appear like they have money to spend, so they have to make some trades. So I think there's, from their standpoint, and and a lot of this, or some of this is speculation, but my guess is they want to get to the winter meetings with all of the, the preliminary discussions out of the way so that when they get there in Vegas in two weeks, it's not like, Hey, what's up, Braves? We have Corey Kluber available. What would you like like to give us in return? It's like all that preliminary stuff's out of the way. And you can do your bidding wars and you can hash out the more advanced details while you're in Vegas when you're not playing slots or sipping Mai Tais and whatever else people do there. Um, yeah, like you don't know. <laughs> like I'm not going there three days early to get it all out of my system before the winter meetings start. But anyway, so I, I think, I think this is interesting. And, and, and one thing I want to talk to you about is 
Like, I think in a weird way, yes, Bryce Harper and Manny Machado will probably be the headlining acts in Vegas and all offseason. But the Indians might be the team of most interest in Vegas. They might be the team that the most people are talking about. Assuming Machado and Harper don't have these crazy bidding wars going back and forth and, and rumors swirling around them. But like, aside from those two storylines, like the Indians, they might hold the cards here because they, I, th- I think they feel a sense of urgency. Like they absolutely have to do something and maybe something drastic. The Paxton deal really complicates things. I think on a, a number of levels, one, it, it does make it easier that that's one domino off the table. So at least from a standpoint of narrowing down suitors and sort of knowing where everyone stands, you know, the Mariners are out, you know, the Yankees have got their pitcher more than likely. They're probably not going to grab another one or at least not to the level of a Paxton or a Kluber, but it also takes probably one of the best suitors off the table and greatly reduces the Indians flexibility to talk to a number of different teams and maybe inflate the price for one of their starting pitchers. And I know we've talked about, the Kluber Yankee dynamic for a while now and all the reasons why it makes sense. But now looking at the return that the Mariners got for Paxton, I start to wonder, I I wonder what were the Indians getting offered just from a, uh, a beginning deal standpoint, what, what sort of players were they getting tossed their way? Because if this is what the Mariners and Yankees agreed upon, you know, the Mariners probably came in with one idea. The Yankees probably came in lower than that. And then they finally probably met in the middle somewhere. But it does seem like, okay, Justice Sheffield, uh, you and I have talked about, would have looked like a pretty nice addition to the Indians' rotation again. Didn't end up happening. He's on his way to Seattle. The overall package, the three players, I'm surprised. I thought it was going to take more to get Paxton. And if that kind of sets the bar for what, pitchers of his caliber are going to be and Kluber you can make the conversation or you can make the argument that he's a little bit ahead of Paxton maybe there are some things where you could say that Paxton would be ahead of Kluber but they're either way they're in the same ballpark as far as price would go and if that's what we're establishing as the price for a guy that you think could be if not an ace certainly up there as a one or a two frontline starter starting your one of your first two playoff games if that's what the return is that makes me really hesitate to think that they're and that anyone's even going to come remotely close to what the Indians are going to desire and require to trade one of their starting pitchers. Yeah, so I know the Indians and this might have to get on my high horse and go on a rant here. Oh boy. I have we have stressed this over and over for the last month. We have written this more times than I can count. We have tweeted about this more times than I can count. I cannot stress this enough. The Indians are not rebuilding. They're not looking to trade Corey Kluber for three 19-year-olds who will be in the majors in 2023. That's not the plan. That's not – it's, it's amazing to me that so many people, especially on Twitter, can be so misguided and think that you see a rumor, which, first of all, identif- like think about the source. I mean, we had people – we had people saying like, yeah, I'm all for Condoleezza Rice getting an interview. Like this is going to be great before thinking about like who would leak that to Schefter. And like, obviously it was shut down an hour later. And it's like, before you go on and get upset and get angry and get 
or get excited about something, consider the source, consider who would benefit from leaking it to that source and think about the team stance. It's like from the Indian stance, it's like, first of all, it's not like Chris Antonetti came out and said, Hey, we're dangling Kluber, Carrasco and Bauer. And we want to acquire guys so that we can make a run at this thing in 2025. Like that's, that's not what's happening here. Um, It's, it's more so they know when we've said this, I sound like a broken record. We should just record ourselves and then just hit play on the, the recorder and we can save ourselves time so we don't have to record the same podcast over and over. How do, anyway. how do people know that we're not doing that right now? <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, so Mark the tape. <laughs> if the, the Indians are going to have a ridiculous asking price for any of their star players as, as they should like this, this it's, there's a few things here. Number one, I know there was the, the report Ken Rosenthal had Monday night saying the Indians had teams interested in Jan Gomes. And it's like, that, that's not saying that they're looking, they're calling up every team and saying, hey, we'll flip you a Jan Gomes for a prospect. Like, that's not what's happening here. It's a matter of they need to get their priorities in order so that if they can't trade Kipnis, if they can't clear like Encarnacion's salary, okay, well then maybe they have to trade a starting pitcher. If they can't do that, and it's going to be difficult, as we've said, it's you know I, I know it sounds like we're talking about this like there's a great chance of it happening, but that's just because there's such little else to talk about. When in reality, the the odds are not good that they trade Kluber or Carrasco. Um, so if they can't do that, then it's like okay, well what other options do we have? where we can trade maybe from the strength and clear a little bit of space and not get worse. You know, that we, we have to get better. So if they trade Jan Gomes, first of all, they're not just going to dump him. They're going to get something in return useful. And they're going to find a way to take that $7 million and the $11 million the following year and use that on bullpen help or outfield help. I mean, this is not – it's amazing how many people think that. It, it's crazy. I, I read so many tweets last night that were like, Oh, it, the, Rosenthal's tweet literally said that the Indians had received interest on on Jan Gomes. And then people took that and were like, oh, the window's closed. It's like, what? How do you get from point A to B? Like, have you ever used Google Maps and it's like, sorry, we can't give you an estimate on how long that'll take you because you have to go over an ocean? And it's like, <laughs> these people are trying to drive from New York City to freaking England not realizing that there's an ocean in your way. Like you can't get from point A to point B like that. So stop jumping to conclusions when there hasn't been a trade that's made. You haven't heard the Indians front office on the record say like, yeah, we're looking to, to just dump guys and clear salary and, and, and get younger so that we can contend in five years. That's not the aim here. And it's just mind boggling that people just jump to these scenarios and these conclusions. Well, that's just what baseball has become, though, Zach. You don't see many baseball trades where it's major leaguers for major leaguers and it's two teams scratching an itch that the other one has. It's often dealing players away for prospects. I mean, you see so many teams either all in or all out, and if they're, they don't feel like they can win a championship, they're not going to sit here and try to win 83 games next year. Um, and we can talk about endlessly – how that's impacted the sport overall and maybe interest in the sport. But from a standpoint of the sorts of trades you see nowadays, anybody that's linked to anybody, you just assume it's going to be happening for prospects. So in that, in that vein, I don't, or I at least understand somewhat why 
anyone would assume that would be the case. But as we've said, I think even last offseason, put this stuff past your own smell test and think about you know, what makes sense, what doesn't make sense. Would the Indians walk away from a division that still appears to be wide open for this year and maybe even next year? Why would they do that? <laughs> even if they, couldn't, if they couldn't do a thing this offseason and they just came back with some semblance of what they have, they still would probably go out and win the division. Why would you walk away from that? Why would you walk away from a seat at the postseason table and having five guys that you feel like in your rotation can give you a chance to win every single night? It might not give you the best chance to go and win a World Series title, but it gives you a chance, and you're not walking away from that knowing how difficult it can be to get there and also how random the entire postseason picture really can be. So then you, when you understand that and you think about that, why would the Indians think any differently than you when it comes to that? And, and I think it's important just when you hear these things sort of process, as you said, think about where it came from and then put it past your own test to see what makes sense, what doesn't make sense. For the Gomes thing, that does make sense. You know, you can start to link up some teams for Gomes because you laid it out. You know, he's probably if there's a checklist of things that they they would have to get done to clear salary space, I would put him probably third on the list. It would be, you know, Number one, can we move Edwin? Can we move Kipnis? Can we get that salary off the books? That would be the, the most uh, coveted way to go out and clear some salary and, and try to make yourself better. Well, that's going to be really difficult, but that's why it's number one on the list. Number two would be the pitching. It's difficult because teams are probably not going to pay what you want, and there's no reason for you to just flip them just to clear the salary. That doesn't make sense. So Gomes is third. Gomes would be third on the list. And again, most of this stuff is stuff you probably wouldn't want to do, maybe outside of Kipnis or Encarnacion. You'd love to just be able to spend money and make the team better that way, but that's not going to be an option. So you have to realistically put this stuff together. And Gomes is on that list because you have Roberto Perez, because they really believe in Eric Haas. And if nothing else, his ability to serve as a backup catcher. And catching that position overall right now in the majors is really poor. <laughs> I think the... The average production of the position this year, if I remember correctly, was 90 WRC plus. So that's 10% below league average, period. That's the average at the catcher position. So if you've got a guy that's hitting above average compared to everybody else and gets it done behind the plate, that's a guy that is really going to be coveted. And that's why the Indians probably don't want to, but are willing to listen to offers for a guy like Gomes because there might be a team out there that believes that they're a really good catcher who can hold his own offensively and is really good behind the plate, works good with the pitching staff, throws guys out regularly, that there's that one guy away from legitimately making themselves a World Series contender. And from the Indians' position, they've got a, a core of catchers here that they could deal from if they wanted to, if it were somebody that they could get back and make themselves better. It's really a, an odd position, though, Zach, because they don't, they don't need to do any of these things. They don't need to trade Gomes. They don't need to train their pitchers, and they shouldn't look at it that way. But it also is weird because I still am struggling. It's the one question I can't get answered is if they don't do any of this stuff and they, if they don't subtract from the major league roster, how in the world are they going to make themselves better? And I just, I just don't see it. They can't. And, and the, the, the struggle I have is that we still have people comparing this to when they traded Cliff Lee and CeCe Sabathia. And as we've said over and over, and like, I don't want it to sound like I'm just like defending the organization or, or sticking up for them, but like this could not be more different than those situations. That was a team that had 
clearly reached. First of all, in two thousand nine, when they traded Cliff Lee, they were garbage. Like they they were terrible, and they knew they were going to be terrible. In two thousand eight, CC Sabathia was going to be a free agent. They traded him to get something for him. And not only that, but it was different people in charge. Mark Shapiro was the one pulling the strings back then. I mean, how can you how can you not trust Chris Antonetti, given his track record with trades? Can you tell me a trade Chris Antonetti has lost? Definitively lost. Oh, I, don't, I have a list in front of me. the 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 weird thing is that the Ubaldo trade ended up really working out in the long run, not for a while. <laughs> The biggest downside of of that deal is not so much the overall what happened, but at the time, could you have used Alex White and Drew Pomeranz to get you something better that could have helped you a little bit more? So I think that's a fair criticism. But yeah, but none of those guys. I mean, that that ended up being inconsequential. And U- Ubaldo did help you get to the wild card game. He was their yeah. horse down the stretch. <laughs> Oddly enough. <laughs> I don't know how that yeah. happened. I don't know what no, but how I just the mean planets like, aligned like, to make that happen, but it did. This front office has deserved, they deserve the benefit of the doubt. And if you're just going to assume that they're going to screw this up <laughs> and waste away Francisco Lindor's uh, I, he's not even in his prime yet, but him and, and Ramirez and this amazing rotation you've built like that's, I, that's unfair. If you want to criticize ownership for not spending what you think they should spend, go ahead. Because we're all just guessing when it comes to their financial situation. None of us has a better idea than anyone else on whether or not they're actually making money or losing money. So if you want to criticize them for not spending more and trying to seize the moment, that's fine. But, but to just assume that the front office is going to trade some of their best players for returns that they won't benefit from for four or five years is just foolish and insulting. And I, I know I sound like a crotchety old curmudgeon right now, but it, it, it's wasting our time and it's wasting our energy that we have to try to beat people over the head with, with this. Like th- this is, they, they're in a really weird, challenging spot. And I think the only way, I mean, like you said, like how else are they going to improve this roster to compete with the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Astros? If, if they don't somehow subtract from their major league roster and, and address the holes they have, because the outfield and the bullpen are, those are like two of the worst parts of any roster in the majors that they know they can't go into next year with the status quo. And I would agree with that. And that's why I'm okay with, with shaking things up. If they want to go that route, if they end up trading Kluber or Carrasco for guys that you won't see for two or three years, then you or I are going to be on the front lines lobbing grenades and asking why right. Why would you do something like this when the division is the, the way that it is? But the understanding that we have right now is that that's not what they're doing. And they've given us no indication that they're blowing it up. So I think it's important to remember that. And I still believe, Zach, that most people have a grasp of that. Maybe, don't, maybe aren't 100% of the way there, but have maybe 80% of it and have thought about it since some of the word officially – got put out there and the rumors started to to fly. We hear so much from those on Twitter, you know, the it's it's the minority but they're vocal and you hear from them and it becomes easy to kind of make a straw man argument against them. I honestly believe most fans are logical enough to think through it and understand it. Now again, it changes completely if they go out and make a trade that doesn't make them somehow better. Um not only through the trade, but the, how they spend the money. Or if they turn around and trade a guy and don't apply that directly back to the roster, 
then you and I are going to be bumping mm-hmm. arms going, what the hell? Well, then why did you make the trade to begin with? Unless you, unless you bring it back Mike Trout, I need to know how that money got reapplied. So yeah, I think there's some of this that needs to play out, and it's okay to let things play out. You don't always need to have a, uh, a fire take every minute of every hour compared to everything that's happening. Sometimes it's okay to take a step back and kind of let this go. We can talk about scenarios and what would make sense, what wouldn't. But before you get too upset about it, let's give them a chance to see what they do with this offseason. And, and I'm as interested as you, and I'm as interested as anybody else that's listening to this podcast. And I have some serious doubts about it. But it doesn't mean that they don't at least deserve the chance to go out and get through the winter meetings and get through January and then see where you're at, see what this roster looks like. And then you can start to really sink your teeth into some of the things that maybe they should have done better or maybe some of the you know, things you would have done differently. I'm just excited. I feel like I've been too negative on this podcast. So let's switch personalities here. I'm excited to actually have winter meeting storylines to cover. Like so many years we go there and it's, I mean, last year, Chris Antonetti and Mike Chernoff said their goal was to be the most boring people in baseball. And they've lived up to that. Mission I mean, accomplished. They did the team, yeah, the team did virtually nothing last winter and there was nothing to write about nothing to talk about on this podcast and now they could be the you know the star characters in vegas and tito in vegas is a star character in his own right <laughs> yeah. i i i don't know if that's a, a train wreck i would want to be part of or not it's i feel like i'm 50 50 like it can be really fun it can also be maybe too dangerous for even me to to want to follow uh but it, it will, i think it will be fun i agree with you I th- this could be this could be one of the more interesting winter meetings that i can remember for a long time even yesterday that the the uniform reveal we haven't even talked about that yet we'll get there um bobby dibiasio was talking or just trying to remember some of the biggest free agent signings or trades that they made and I don't know if the timing lined up perfectly, but was the Sandy Alomar, Carlos Bayerga trade, Joe Carter, did that happen at the winter meetings? If that did, it would be tough for, in my mind. It's to probably top that one. Yeah, I think that was like, I was three months old. Yeah. Um, but I believe that was mentioned. I mean, they signed do you, Terry do you remember? Do you remember at three months old what your take was on the trade? Yeah, I was, I couldn't believe they were trading for prospects and um, <laughs> just like typical Indians. But at least we had Chief Wahoo, so that, that got us through that. <laughs> yeah, well, there's no Chief Wahoo now. It's gone. I've already got a few people on Twitter saying, it's off the uniform. I'm not watching another game. Uh, okay. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, man. It's not coming back, no matter how much you yell and scream about it. It's such a weird thing to have as a sticking point to watch the, the team and, and be invested in the team. A logo. But, I mean, that's your prerogative. That's, you got to do what you got to do. And if, if you believe not watching the games is going to make your life better because Wahoo's not there, I can't fault you for that. I can't tell you what to do. It, it doesn't – I fail to make the connection. But for some people, man, it's like life and death. So, okay, it is what it is. Red uniform, I just though, hope, it's introduced. I hope at some point in life I care about anything as much as some people care about Chief Wahoo because that sort of passion is just – I need to find it. I don't know how people, how does that happen? I don't know, but I, your wife and Linus probably wonder, when are you going to find something you care about as much as they, 
as but much I, as people that's love what Chief I'm saying Wahoo. Is like, people care more about Chief Wahoo than they care about their family. <laughs> Chief Wahoo was family, man. He was family. You grew up with that guy. He's on your hat. Thanksgiving's He's on your not going to be the same this year without Chief Wahoo. Yeah, I'm going to stay away from that topic. Uh, what do you think of the, the red uniforms? I like them. Uh, they 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 remind me too much of Boston's red alternates and Minnesota's red alternates. I, I don't mind them, but I I think what they did to the navy uniforms, which were my favorites by far, with the script Indians and the red shirts underneath, and the those those had the red hats, right? Wait, which uniform? The Na- Midnight Navy. They were supposed to have the red hats, yeah. They rarely those, ever wore them with the red hats. I feel like they kind of ruined those, and it, it it cancels out my my liking of, of the new red ones. So you're not even going to give it a chance on the field to see what it looks like? You're just going to automatically make some sort of determination on these things, just sitting Isn't on a that hanger? that what we do? <laughs> Yeah, that's what we do in today's day and age. Well, I actually, if I so I go went back and looked at the photos just to kind of give myself a, as I was writing about it, just remembering what everything looked like. And in the photos, the blue, the midnight navy uniforms with the block Cleveland across the front look hideous. They look like something that you would find on a Walmart rack. The minute they actually debuted them, I I immediately in person thought they looked really good. It was something about the white outlining, the red lettering. I, th- I thought it actually really looked good. But the more it sat up on the hanger in the background in my photos, the more I didn't like it. And I'm wondering how much of that is a translation. Some things just look better in person than they do on television or in photos, which is important because that's a road uniform. And for many fans, that's the only time they'll ever see it is on television uh, or in mm-hmm. photos. But I am interested to see because I was talking to, to Bobby DiBiase about it. In his opinion, he loved that uniform. He thought it was his favorite one, and he thought that would be the one that fans would love. And I thought that was interesting because it was taking away one that fans did love and adding one that was more of a classic, uh, very just, for lack of a better word, plain design. But when you add the gray pants with that hat, I'm, that's, I, I want to see the whole the whole thing come together. Cause you know, sometimes the shoes are what pull it together. Or sometimes it's the accessories that pull an outfit together. So I'm willing to give it a chance. Yeah. I also would like to see the red uniform on a mannequin that has a head. <laughs> I think the headlessness kind of threw me off and maybe, yeah, I, just, I didn't know about that. Uh, I, I, I don't know. You, you picked that out and so did many of the people on Twitter who also, had an issue with that speaking of twitter though the one thing i found out about it i was preparing for the worst and i think maybe the indians were preparing for the worst and it's why they didn't build it up to be this really super huge massive thing they didn't have players come in and model them and 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 do anything crazy with it when they put out the release as i wrote at the athletic today they 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 said it was enhancements they didn't say it was completely new uniforms they said it was a new option i felt like they were just making the expectations manageable so that if when they actually revealed it, it wouldn't be like people were expecting to see uh, the Lord when they revealed it. Um, (laughs) So 
I felt like when they actually revealed it, it, it surprised me a little bit because I actually really thought it looked nice. And if they were going to downplay it, I thought it was going to be bad. Didn't end up being bad in my mind. And the thing that surprised me is when I tweeted it out, I would say probably 70 to 75% of the people said that they liked it, which is so unusual for the internet. Yeah, that would be like like a new Browns head coach losing the introductory press conference. <laughs> Like, uh, coach, those things have coach like an inverse correlation. What, what do you uh, what do you think you're going to do with Baker Mayfield? Who? Oh, yeah. uh, uh, probably uh, put him under center, seven step drops. I don't know, something like that. Next question. <laughs> yeah, I, it's if if I, I think it was a success. I mean, if you can. You said 75%, and the 25% are all just pissed off that there's no Chief Wahoo patch. Um, so it, it'll be interesting. I mean, they bought themselves a year to decide what they want to do with the logo. Um, I, I hope they listen to the fan base. And look, even if you don't want to indulge the people who want Chief Wahoo on their tombstone one day, you at least have to like feel the room and know that nobody like, have you ever come across someone who was like, I love black sea. It is amazing. I have a black sea tattoo. It's just the best. <laughs> very few, very few. Yeah. I, I mean, so I, 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 I actually think... have, I have run into some people that have said they really enjoy the classic look of it, but it is few and far between. Yeah. And you can still have the classic look like they do with the road uniforms, but also have a different logo. And so I just I hope they listen to the masses in that respect and take the next year and develop something cool for a new logo. But who knows? It's a very touchy subject with a lot of people. I mean, I get all jokes aside. I understand where some of the passion comes from, because it is what you grew up with. You formed some really strong bonds with the teams when, when you were growing up, particularly in the 90s. And. Chief Wahoo was right there on the cap at the forefront of that. I, I, I get that. And as I think we even said last year when, when they made the announcement that Wahoo was going away, I think the fact that the Block C isn't, isn't by far the replacement that everyone can get behind probably adds to that a little bit. If, if there was one that everyone really felt good about replacing Wahoo, then maybe some of that would be reduced. But as the team said yesterday, basically admitted that the, the All-Star game being here and the patch on the uniform bought them a year <laughs> to think about doing something to, if they want to add another logo, because right now it's the block C is the primary, the script Indians is the secondary logo, which look, looks stupid as a logo and they don't have a third one. So they could add one to the mix. They're going to need something though, for the sleeve next year, because they're not going to want to put the C on the cap and on the sleeve. And even when they put the C on the sleeve in the past, when they've had specialized uniforms over the past couple of years, it doesn't look good as a sleeve patch. So I think they've got to do something there for 2020. What about a C-shaped guitar? Oh, God. <laughs> How about I give you a random Indian of the day? Yeah, I feel bad. And I think the reason why you barred me from the last podcast was because I put you on the spot and made you name 32 pitchers from 18 years ago. <laughs> uh, it was actually because as – Many people maybe have heard by now, I would assume, Jordan Bastion of MLB.com has left. The Indians beat is on the way to the Cubs beat now. And I kept pressuring him. I wanted him 
to break the news on our podcast. I wanted our podcast to be the one where he, he, he told everyone that he was going home back to Chicago where he grew up. And I kept pressuring him, kept pressuring him. I thought for sure it would happen on the podcast. And he left me high and dry, kind of like you did by leaving me out of the country. So I feel like I'm on my own little island over here, but I will wear shoes on this island. Okay, uh, I have a <laughs> – this is a pitcher. Uh, he is current – to give you an idea of how long ago he might have played, he is currently 47 years old, uh, born November 24th. 1970 in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He's got a birthday this week. He was drafted by the New York Mets in the 12th round. All right? All that so far? Good? I'm going to say... Okay, go ahead. Sure. If you can guess something based off of just that, I will give it to you. So if he's 47, going to be 48 on Saturday. Who would have a birthday on Saturday? Hmm. I will guess Tom Martin. It is not Tom Martin. It's a good guess, okay. though. Uh, in his Indians career, he spent parts of two years in Cleveland, though his second year, which was 1998, resulted in only one game started. So 97 and 98 in Cleveland. Over those two years, he went 2-1, and one, so, you know, winning record, with a 6.23 ERA. Over 22 games, five of those starts, 47 and two-thirds innings pitched. So 97 and 98 appeared in 22 games for the Indians, 623 ERA. Oh, man. Um, 97, 98. So he would have been 27, 28 years old. At the time. Uh, 26, 27. Yeah, 26 and 27. So he was young. And I will tell you, the start he made with the Indians in 1998 was his last major league appearance. Wow. So he was pretty bad. Uh, It didn't mean that he retired, but it was his last major league appearance. I don't know. I need more. All right, he was selected off waivers by the Indians from the Kansas City Royals on May 8th, 1997. And his tribe career ended when he was purchased by the Yakult Swallows of Japan Central. He was purchased from the Indians, and he went to play, apparently, in Japan on November 3rd. say that on this podcast. Jeez, ah, this is tough. Was he lefty or righty? He was a left-handed pitcher. Um, this one's really tough, and I feel like I owed you a tough one. It's not Kent Merker. It's not Kent Merker. It's not Alvin Mormon. It is not Alvin Mormon. A crappy left-handed pitcher. Yes whose career fizzled out that early. I don't know. What else you got? All right, I'll give you some of his transactions. So he was drafted by the Mets in the 12th round of the 91 draft. In 95, he was traded by the Mets with Alan McDill to the Royals for a player to be named Laner, Gino Morones, and Derek Wallace. The Kansas City Royals sent John Carter not the dude from the movie, wasn't there a movie, John Carter, um, to the New York Mets to complete the trade. 
in later in 1995. I told you he was selected off waivers by the Indians, purchased by the Swallows. Hey, now. In Japan Central, <clears throat> later came back, signed as a free agent with the Diamondbacks in 2000. In 2002, he signed with the Astros. He was released by the Astros later in spring. He signed with the Cardinals. Didn't appear in the majors again. Signed again with the Diamondbacks, released by the Diamondbacks at the end of March. Signed with the San Francisco Giants. And in October of 2004, he was granted his free agency and never was brought back to a big league team of any variety. The worst part about this is that there are people in their car right now screaming the answer. I don't know if they are. Dumbass. I really don't know if they are. Um, let's see. What would be another clue? His first name and last name both begin with the same letter. Oh, that's interesting. His last, his last game against the Yankees, <clears throat> which, again, took place in 1998 for the Indians. He pitched, Cameron Carncross. It was not Cameron Carncross. Uh, he, pitched, <clears throat> he pitched against the Yankees, I said. He went five innings. Five innings. Allowing 10 hits, struck out two, walked three, and allowed eight earned runs in five innings. He took the loss, if you couldn't guess. I think I'm going to have to give up. Is that your final answer? Are you officially giving up? I hate this. His career. It's not fun being on this side. (laughs) His career, ERA in the majors, spanned five seasons, 534 ERA, 106 appearances, 34 starts. He actually, in his career, threw one complete game shutout and picked up one save. You give up? Yeah. He was a man that I mentioned two weeks ago on this podcast. Jason Hockamy. Oh, God. I don't think I would have ever gotten that. I know. That's why I picked That's one of those, like, I know the name, but I have zero memory of, yeah, that. The, that, that sucked. That 97 team, of course, you remember they brought up Jarrett Wright, who made the jump uh, start of the year at double A, eventually was pitching in the major leagues, and now pitching game seven of the World Series. That's how desperate they were for pitching. Jason Hockamy got 21 appearances that year, including four starts. They were really desperate for starting pitching from about 97 to all the way through the end of that era. You know what's amazing? And... I was doing a little bit of research for a future project and I was thinking about the 97 team. As we all know, it never, never really found its footing in the regular season. They won 85 game or 86 games, which was enough to win the division, but then they're down in the eighth inning of game four against the Yankees. And like, that could have been it. And we could have looked back on that era and said, man, 95, like great season. Can't, necessarily fault them for losing the world series but like that was their only their only run and it makes me think about the current the current stretch when it was it's like okay well 2018 same thing they never found their footing the the difference is they got bounced early and we look at 2016 and we say hey great run like they went farther than we ever imagined but maybe we'll look back and think, oh, that was their only shot. And it, it, it's just so funny how, like, little weird bounces in October can change the narrative for the course of history. And 
that 97 team, like it was, it never seemed to mesh well. And they just had just madness happen in the playoffs and it, some things went their way. Yeah. I mean, you can do it. You can drive yourself crazy thinking about both ends of the spectrum, whether it's Sandy Alomar off Mariana Rivera or thinking back two years ago, if Giovanni Urshela catches the line drive that, that blasted off his ankle, how much differently does that inning go for Trevor Bauer? And then this past year, if Bauer turns around and throws the ball accurately to second base, how much can that series change if the Indians somehow find a way to squeak out game three and go to a game four? You, you can do this with pretty much any series, both going positively and negatively. And it, it's what must drive general managers crazy because you can prepare. You can build a tremendous team. You can win 100-plus games. You can be the best team in the league and run up against some team that only won 88 games and just luck out. You're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Please explain yourself. Yeah, apparently I'm an asshole. Um, well, I mean, why am I going to explain your loss? In one of because our, I don't want to talk about it. In one of our listeners of this podcast know we have frequently talked about Hardball Dynasty, part of What If Sports, um, one of the leagues that Zach and I are both in, along with a few other writers uh, from a few different markets. Zach was in the World Series recently with his Scranton Paper Company team, which you won how many games in the regular season? 115. It's the greatest team ever assembled. Uh, you waltzed your way to the World Series. You were up 2-1 in the series, right? Yep, against the team that won 88 games. And lost three straight. One, or lost yeah. in, in game six. What happened, man? <laughs> I don't know. It's a stupid game. Why do we play it? <laughs> it goes back to this whole idea about why these teams – why these – these front offices that put these teams together have to, you just have to be running headfirst into a wall when these things don't work out the way that you want, because you can do everything right. Everything right. You can even for a manager can make all the right moves from a strategy standpoint. And still in a small sample, David Ross might hit a home run off Andrew Miller. You know, weird shit happens. Sports have no redeeming qualities. As, as Alex Hooper, who just departed 92.3 The Fan and left and joined his fiance down in Florida, was prone to tweet, sports is a prison. Any parting that's words? Way to end it. Any no, parting I words? think that's, that's a perfect parting word. Um, I hope that all of our listeners have a great Thanksgiving. Um, we are thankful for them. We need to figure out a way to get them beer. This is if true. you're going to be in Vegas during the winter meetings, be, uh, gladly purchase you a beer and play some blackjack with you to any listeners. Uh, I wanted to give a shout out to F-A-S-O-L-A Matt. I don't want to mispronounce your last name, who gave us a oh, five yeah. five star review in the uh, excuse me, Apple podcast podcast. Uh, store and as well as mike and lindhurst who recently gave us a five-star review if you give us a five-star review and let us know that you appreciate it we'll give you a shout out appreciate it as well as anybody that wants to drop us a line on twitter at tj zuppi at zach meisel and let us know that you're a recent subscriber either to the athletic or to the podcast send us a note we'll give you a shout out too we appreciate each and every single one of you 
Of course, if you don't have Apple Podcasts, you can find us on Android with Google Podcasts and Stitcher and Spotify, Anchor. And if you have a podcasting app, just search the Selvia's Godcast or really the Cleveland Indians, any of these things, our names, somehow you'll find us and be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. As Zach said, we hope everybody has a great Thanksgiving and we'll be back to talk about the latest craziness that I'm sure will take place between now and the winter meetings. Can't wait, Zach. Or, or will you be in Las Vegas by the time we talk next? I don't know. We'll find out. We're out of here. See you. Have a good weekend.